friends. Welcome to the With Great People podcast. I'm Richard Kasparowski. This is a brand new podcast, and it's my intention to share with you a lot of my experiences with helping people build high-performance teams. In this podcast series, I'll be sharing a lot of the, the things I do with my clients, including the core protocols, agile software development, and open space technology, and a lot more. I'll be sharing recordings of workshops I've facilitated, segments of classes I've taught, interviews with interesting friends, and more. I hope you enjoy it. Episode one is called Something About Love. It's a workshop I gave at HeartSpace Teachings in San Jose, California. And for me, the most interesting thing about this workshop was the title of it, uh, Something About Love. It was the first time that I used the word love explicitly in the title of a workshop and made the workshop explicitly about love and building great relationships. I hope you enjoy it. I've got a few events coming up that you might be interested in. The first one is August 6th uh, in Orlando, Florida, the day before the Agile 2017 conference. I'll be teaching a half-day class on high-performance teams with the core protocols. We'll be doing the same thing Friday before the Agile Lean Europe conference at the end of August. We'll be doing a one-day class, full-day class, on high-performance teams with the core protocols. And at the very end of August, I'll be starting my semester-long class at Harvard University. The class is Agile Software Development. If you're interested in these upcoming events, visit my website, kasparowski.com, and you can get more information there. If you've got any questions, if you want any help, if you want to give me any feedback, email me at richard at kasparowski.com. And thanks for listening. This is awesome. Very intimate group. We're going to do something very special here this evening. We're going to make love together. That sounds pretty special, right? That's probably <laughs> never been done. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever been done at HeartSpace before uh, or in this building, maybe in this building. Uh, but we're going to do something special. When I say make love together, what I mean is we're going to intentionally create love out of nothingness, or really out of ourselves and out of each other. We're going to, on purpose, learn a little bit of something new, try out some activities, and it turns out these activities are sort of like a recipe for love. Now, I usually do this in industry. I usually do something like this with high-tech teams at tech companies, like the ones around here in the Bay Area or back home in Boston. I never introduce it quite like that because that would be weird and scary. It's even a little weird here. But it turns out, you know, I spring this little surprise on them about halfway through that that's what we're doing. And they usually nod their heads and go along with it. Like, that's okay. So you already heard about me. Also, one more thing about me is that's my beautiful wife, Molly, who happens to be their daughter. <laughs> but you already heard all about me, so there's nothing else to say. Uh, so, like I said, I usually do this with, with work teams, and I usually start by asking them that question, what's the best team you were ever on in your life? And then I get a little cheeky and I say, you can tweet stuff about that. But really, what I want to ask you is, what's the best relationship you've ever been in? Because that's the same thing, said a little differently. What's the best, best relationship you've ever been in in your life? And that could be any relationship. That could be a work team, a relationship amongst a group of people, any group of people, any size group of people, two people or more. That we'll, we'll say that's part of the definition of a relationship. And when you answer this question, thinking about the best relationship you've ever been in in your life, that could be like a love relationship, a romantic relationship. That could be a relationship with one or more friends that could be a work team, that could be a community organization, a charity group, a spiritual group like this, people that you're in relationship with. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is identify this best relationship in your life and try to bring yourself back to it and re-experience what it's like, what it is like or what it was like to be in that best relationship ever. Yeah, and this is good, like close your eyes, maybe meditate on this and bring yourself back to that best relationship ever and really feel it. And as you re-experience it, think about how that feels and maybe come up with one word 
that you could use to share the experience of how that feels, that best relationship. And when I do this in industry, nobody ever closes their eyes and meditates for this long. <laughs> this is really cool. Will someone share that word that they might have thought of? Fun. Fun. Anybody else? Fun. Alive. Excitement. Excitement. Respect. Respect. Joy. Joy. Unconditional. Unconditional. Yeah, this is what it feels like in that best relationship, whether it was now, whether it is now or was in the past. And, well, this is an example of my best relationship. This is with Molly. And especially when I'm talking with work teams, it seems like it's an accident to get that best relationship ever, best team ever. Maybe in people's everyday lives, it's a little mysterious how this best relationship happened or happens. And so we're gonna explore some of that this evening. So I'm gonna share a little bit of science and research on awesome teams and really awesome relationships because they're the same thing. And we're gonna do a bunch of activities to sort of kindle this feeling or these feelings on purpose, all right? So that's what we're gonna do for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, this is, the, this is the, the research and science into it. I'm gonna go really fast on this because it's actually not that important, but it's interesting. So some of this is from some work that Google does on research into what makes their best teams or their best relationships among their work groups and the teams that do the best work, the most creative work. They have the best creative spirit and they objectively get the most stuff done or get, they get the best stuff done. So at Google, what they figured out is there's this thing called psychological safety that the teams that are in the best relationship with each other, this is something that psychologists can measure that these people experience when they're together, psychological safety. And what it means is it, it's different from physical safety, like we're all in a state of physical safety here. There's, there's nothing we have to worry about, like heavy objects falling on our toes or anything. Psychological safety is the sense of, well, mental safeness or uh, the, the ability to take risks when you're with people, the ability to say you don't know something or that you need help with something. And the people you're in relationship with won't make fun of you. They'll accept you for who you are. They'll help you accomplish your goals. This is what they mean by psychological safety. And in the work Google did, they, they found out that that's the one most important thing for teams in relationship with each other to get the best results together. And this goes along for all kinds of work teams or all kinds of relationships. This is another example from some other work that other people have done. And I made a new friend who wrote this article in Harvard Business Review, co-wrote it with his co-author, Vanessa Druskett. My friend's name is Steve Wolf. And I was telling him this story about Google and psychological safety and he nodded his head and he said, yes, that's true. This is how people build great relationships. Or this is a characteristic of people in great relationships getting great results. But it's one component of something a little bit broader that they call group emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is this stuff about, as an individual, are you self-aware of your emotional state and the state of others? And can you control and regulate your own state and influence the state of others? And group emotional intelligence is that sense of emotional intelligence when you're in relationship with other people, when you're together with other people, whether it's one or two or three or more. What is the emotional intelligence of the group? How do you feel together? What's your sense of self-awareness of your emotional state as a group? And how can you self-regulate it and influence the state of the group? And that, it turns out, is the thing that sort of defines great relationships, that group emotional intelligence. Um, now, in the work Google did and the work they did, there's, well, all they say is we've got these psych psychological diagnostics. We can measure this stuff and we know it's true because we've measured it, but they don't know how to make it happen on purpose. So there's this other body of work called the core protocols that is a way to, is one way to, to induce this stuff to happen on purpose, this group emotional intelligence and safety and sense of belonging and attachment with each other and healthy relationship with each other. It's the work of a couple people named Jim McCarthy and Michelle McCarthy who happen to be married and in a great relationship with each other. And it's the result of their work watching teams of people sort of like 
Jane Goodall in the wild watching the gorillas. So they would watch people work together in a laboratory. And they did this for about five years. And during that five years, they started to identify the things that work. And they sort of wrote down these things that work. They called them protocols, ways that people interact with each other. That's what a protocol is. In a way that they could teach it to people and you know, sort of reproduce it. So that's the story. And from there, we're going we're gonna to do it. Oh, here's another. Here's a picture of the story. When I do this with work people, I say high-performing team. Make believe that says awesome relationship. So if you want an awesome relationship, you want to get into the sense of psychological safety. And that's a subset of group emotional intelligence. And if you want that, one way to get that is to try these behavior patterns together called core protocols. So we're going to try that tonight. And we're going to do some activities from here. So here we go. I'm going to describe this as, as sort, we're going to sort of like build a wall of awesome relationships, starting from the foundation. The, the foundation is positive bias. And what I mean by positive bias is kind of this sense of, well, non-negativity, which is a, a weird double negative way of saying positive. Uh, we're going to just create a space of posit positivity around us as we do this. And that's easy in a group like this. Uh, Non-negation means when somebody has an idea, you don't immediately say no. That can't be. That's not possible. And pretend, make believe. It's sort of a, a learning strategy to pretend that something might be the truth. Have a little faith. Have a little faith in it and try it out. And so I'm going to ask you to try out some things while we're here together. Is that okay? All right. So here's something to try out. We're going to do an activity. For this activity, you're going to need a partner. So we'll do this in groups of two. So get yourself a partner. And you could do this in a group of three. Oh. Now, the next step is shake your partner's hand. Or give your partner a hug, or do something with your partner. <laughs> OK. So Molly and I sometimes trade stories about how to, how to teach. She's also a teacher. I, I teach a little bit. Uh, that's my pro-facilitator tip, pro-teaching tip for how to make sure people are in groups of two. Shake each other's hands. And then you, there's proof. So here's, here's the activity. With a partner, with your partner, make a plan for lunch tomorrow. We're going to do it for one minute. Just talk to each other to make a lunch date. Make a plan for what you're going to do for, for lunch together tomorrow. But there's a catch. Every time your partner says something, you respond starting with the words, yes, but. Right? So it'll be like, hey, let's get lunch together tomorrow. And your partner, will, you will say, yes, but I've got something else to do. We'll see where it goes from there. OK, any questions on the activity? All right, so yeah. How do you decide which person does which part? Oh, you're going to do this together. You're going to together try to make a plan for lunch tomorrow. So one person says something, and the other person says yes first. And then that person says it, and you say yes first. Yeah. So whatever your partner says, we're just going to have this sort of slightly scripted conversation where every time one of you says something, the other responds with yes, but, and finishes the sentence. All right? OK. So try this for 60 seconds. Make a plan for lunch tomorrow. Always respond with yes, but. Go ahead. We'll pause there. We're going to try it again a different way. This time. Do it again. Try to make a lunch date for tomorrow with your partner. But this time, every time your partner offers an idea, you'll respond starting with the words, yes, and. OK? So let's give that a try for 60 seconds. Go ahead. Let's pause there again. That sounded like fun. Let's, let's compare those two experiences. Uh, how did yes, but go for you guys? Stressful. It was stressful? Yeah. It was slow. Yeah. It was okay? <laughs> More of a dead end. Kind of a dead end? Yeah. And you had to work harder. And what, what was yes and like? Finding. It was much easier. Options. You had more options. Yeah. Anything was possible. Anything was yeah. possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes, it was more pleasurable. All right. Uh, and who has, a, who has a great lunch plan for tomorrow? What's, what do we Because I want to know what to do for lunch. OK. We're going to at Keys. Uh -huh. And then we've decided we will go to 
each ice cream shop on Long Lincoln and yeah. have a, a small ice cream at every place we go. All right. This sounds awesome. I want to go. <laughs> I want to do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's all do that. <laughs> well, we're having a lunch party out on your patio, so. <laughs> Maybe with ice cream. Yeah. Um, so this is this is uh, if anybody's done any improv acting, you've probably done this. Yes. This is uh, this is like the first activity that improv acting groups do to build a sense of safety with each other, and this helps people sort of understand the the first rule of improv acting, which is to agree. You agree with each other. You say yes. You build on each other's ideas. You create together. Did you say that? Create together? And that's kind of like the foundation of good relationships. You find a way to build this layer of positivity between each other, to find ways to create things together, even if it's just to create the relationship with each other. And um, that, that's, so this is an experience to, to, uh, to help introduce the idea of positive bias or positivity, this is, this is one way to experience it. So we'll take that and we'll build onto it. The next building block in this is freedom or autonomy, the ability to decide for yourself what you want, to decide who you want to be with, to decide what you want to do, where you want to be, things like that. And we've got some, we've got some of these behavior patterns. Now we're going to sort of start practicing these behavior patterns together for great relationships. Some of these have names. So the first one of them is called pass, and I'll show you where to find the, the strong definitions of all of these, but it doesn't matter for now. The first behavior pattern called pass, it's the idea that if there's anything you don't want to do, well, you don't have to do it. And in this sort of protocol way of doing it with each other, if there's something you don't want to do, you just say, I pass. You don't have to do it. And if you've got this agreement with each other, with the people in your relationship or your work team or whatever, then it's okay to pass. And nobody, and part of the agreement is nobody tries to coerce anybody not to opt out, not to pass, because then it's not safe to pass. And what we're trying to do is create this sense of safety with each other. So anytime you don't want to do something, you just say, I pass. And if you decide later on you want to do it, you can unpass and you can get back in. So that's pass. Check out is like a stronger version of pass. Check out is like, if there's any reason you don't want to be with that person or that group of people, you can check out. You physically leave. And uh, you know, that could be for any reason at all, like you just don't feel good, or you've got something else that you want to do, uh, or just something's not going quite right. You need some alone time for any reason. You just say, I'm checking out, and you leave the room. And it, it goes like this. You say, I'm checking out, and you leave. And, and it's the idea that if you're, if you're checked in, if you're with people that you're in relationship with, that you're totally engaged with them, that there's nothing else more important than the people you're with. And if for any reason there's something more important, you give each other a clue about it by not being there. You know, so this is, this is different from like, yeah, how's it going? It's nice to see you. Yeah, good. Uh, hold on, I've got to text my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, my, my, my stepson just, uh, just Snapchatted me. That's cool, right? That's a little different from being totally engaged with the people that you're in relationship with. So if there's any reason you can't be totally engaged, like you can step away or step outside the room or, or do whatever it is that's more important and just be, be explicit about it, that right now I'm with you and right now I'm not with you. And, and for people who have this arrangement with each other, that's totally cool. This is all part of exercising freedom with each other and having the autonomy to do the right things at the right time and maybe even trusting each other to do the right things at the right time. So that's, that's the freedom part of this. And the third brick in this stack that we're building is <coughs> self-awareness. So now we're starting to get into the, the, the emotional intelligence parts of this. There's three behavior patterns for self-awareness. Check in, which we'll practice. Ask for help, I'll tell you about it. Personal alignment, we'll practice it. Okay. Um, ask for help is about, asking for help is, is some, about having some self-awareness, the self-awareness of knowing what you want help with and asking for it. So that's pretty easy. But we'll actually do an activity now for check in. And it goes like this. Complete the sentence. I feel blank. 
and fill, fill in the blank, sort of like a, a quiet self-thinking activity, fill in the blank with however you feel right now, any word that you want. How do you feel right now? I feel blank, fill in the blank. Go ahead. This is a quiet to yourself activity. Does everybody have an answer for themselves? Okay. Next, we'll make it multiple choice. For some people, this makes it easier. So do it again, fill in the blank, but pick one of those choices, glad, mad, sad, or afraid. How do you feel right now if you had to pick one of those? And if you're not sure, you can pick a random one and try it out, see if it's the right one. And then one more thing to build onto this, describe to yourself why you feel that way. All right, so now I want you to get into groups of three. So let's start with that. Get into a group of three right now. Yes, I will. This is perfect. Okay, so in your group of three, we're going to practice this thing called check-in with your emotional state together. And how it works is when it's your turn, you'll figure out when it's your turn. When it's your turn, you'll say, I'm checking in. I feel blank. You'll fill in the blank with one of those words, glad, sad, mad, afraid. You might explain why you feel that way. And then you say, I'm in. And then the other two people in your group just say, welcome. And you can all try it out. You can do it more than once. That's the activity. We'll do that for a couple minutes. Any questions about the activity? All right, let's try it out. All right, let's gather back together. So we just did this check-in activity. How'd it go? How, how did checking in go for, for every, all these groups of three? You good? How'd it feel? Picking one of the four words. I was okay when you said blank. Yeah. <laughs> None of the other four really nailed it. Yeah, okay. Uh, so sometimes people have trouble picking one of the four words. They, did they feel, sometimes people say they feel too constricted, too narrow. What, is there a strategy to why you narrowed it to those four? Yeah, we, we've narrowed it, or they, I'll say they, they've narrowed it to those four because through the decades of research into emotions, these are the four emotions that, according to the research, everybody on the planet can feel and identify. So these are like primary emotion colors, primary colors of emotion. These are the primary emotions that all humans can feel and identify, at least according to the research. Well, I picked glad. Yeah. And, and sometimes we treat them like they're primary colors, like you're an artist mixing paints, and maybe there's some some emotion word that you have that you could mix out of these four primary emotion words. Um, the reason, one, one more reason we do it is that there are people who have, we'll say, we'll say there, there are people who are emotion intelligence learners, right? Maybe you're like, you're way over here off the charts on emotional intelligence and ability to identify what you're feeling and put a word on it. There are other people, like me, who are learning, yeah, and we need this script. It's a tool, we, we need this tool, we need this script to help us identify what we're feeling and be able to say it out loud. Um, and like we were saying, uh, there might be a lot of people around here who are into high tech, right? Around San Jose and Silicon Valley. There might be a lot of people in Silicon Valley who are just slightly over here on, say, the autism, highly emotional scale, like just slightly over here, and I might be one of those people. For a lot of us high-tech kind of people, slightly on the autistic side kind of people, it's really hard to identify what emotion you're feeling and put a word on it. So this kind of levels the playing field so that everybody in relationship with each other can feel what they're feeling and put a word on it and share it with other people. So it's a, it's a building block in group emotional intelligence. All right, so there's check-in. We're gonna try another activity. Fill in the blank with any word you want. What do you want? I want blank. What is the most important thing to you right now? And go really deep. Like, what's the most important thing in the universe to you? If you could have or accomplish or get anything you wanted, what would it be? I hate to ask a question so early in the process, but is it, so it should be something that you don't have? I always feel like the word I want 
gives the idea that you don't already have it. Could be something you don't have, or it could be something that you want more of. Oh, okay. So I want blank, fill in the blank with anything. Could be more than one word. Could be more than one word. The most important thing to you that you hope for. Oh. And sometimes people close their eyes and meditate a little bit, whatever you want. Okay, the next step of this is, like you were asking Molly, is it something that you already have? Um, probably not, because we said want. Uh, or something you want more of. So it's not a have, it's something that you want. And, and it's kind of interesting that if it really was the most important thing that you want, why isn't it a have? Why isn't it something that you already have, if it's the most important thing to you? So what's blocking you from having it? What's in your way? Answer that question quietly to yourself. What's in your way? What's blocking you from having that most important thing in the world? And then we'll make it multiple choice again. So we're gonna fill in the blank. I want blank. Multiple choice. Maybe a little hard to read from back here. I'll read them to you. The choices are self-awareness, integrity, courage, passion, peace, presence, self-care, fun, wisdom, and health. Make believe that you could become the universe's greatest expert at one of those words, like a grandmaster ninth degree black belt in one of those words. And when you attain that special level of skill with that word, it would destroy everything that's blocking you from what you want and you would get everything you want. So which word, which word would it be? Fill in the blank, I want blank. Pick that word that would destroy everything in your way. The first one has an asterisk next to it, self-awareness, because if you're not sure what you want, self-awareness is the default answer. <laughs> and it kind of sounds like a joke, but it's really not a joke. So self, if you're not sure which one you want, pick self-awareness. That's the default answer. Okay, now either, either write down that word. Oh, pick one. It's... it's, it's Pick one, forced choice, multiple choice. Either write it down or remember it. We're gonna, we're gonna hold on to this word. We're gonna use it later. You can't see it with this light level, but that word we're gonna call your personal alignment. It's the word that you're going to align yourself with, at least while we're here for the next 15 minutes or so. So remember that word. If anybody asks you later on tonight, What's your personal alignment? You're gonna have one of those words as the answer. So we'll move on from there. Um, so all of that up to there was sort of creating the context for having a great relationship, this positivity, this freedom to do what you want with the people you wanna be with, uh, self-awareness, so each of us individually is pretty great. And now we're gonna connect us, connect each other into a whole, into a group of whatever number of people into an awesome relationship. Some behavior patterns that people engage in to connect with each other have names like, well, we, we've seen some of these already, check in, ask for help, and personal alignment. We add on to that intention check and investigate. Intention check is kind of a, a connective way to express positive bias. It's like if somebody does something or says something that you don't quite understand, and maybe it even irks you a little bit, you ask them, what was your intention when you did that or when you said that? Instead of just getting angry or accusing, you inquire, what was your intention? And try to keep that space open between each other. Investigate, well practice, is, is about this. It's about being curious. It's, it's like, will you tell me more about blank? And you fill in the blank with whatever you want to know more about with the people you're with. So we're going to do an activity that's about investigate in your group of three. To, when we investigate with each other, we're going to ask each other open questions. Open questions have many possible answers. They're different from closed questions. Closed questions have one possible correct answer, maybe two. A yes-no question is an example of a kind of closed question. It's like just yes or no is the answer. There's not much information that you get out of it. Uh, so we're going to avoid those kinds of questions. We're going to go for, for open questions that have many, many possible answers to get a lot of information out of the people we're investigating. 
Another idea is to avoid questions that start with the word why, because they seem to make some people defensive, and then you don't get a lot of information about what you want to learn about, and sometimes they seem accusatory. And just in general, they don't seem to yield a lot of good information. So we'll avoid yes-no questions, any kind of closed question, questions that start with the word why. We're going to ask a lot of open questions to each other in our groups of three. Uh, and the specific thing we're going to ask about is in your group of three, one of you will volunteer to be investigated by the other two. And we're going to investigate you about your personal alignment. So that was that word that you were going to remember about that most important thing in your life, that if you were the grandmaster of it, it would get you everything you wanted for yourself. Really good opening questions. Here are two examples. Hi, what's your personal alignment? That might be a good way to start. Here's another example of a good opening question. What's the most important thing in your life? So these are some good opening questions. For this activity, you're going to be in these same groups of three. One of you will volunteer to be investigated about your personal alignment, and the other two will investigate you about your personal alignment. Any questions on the activity? That usually takes a while. If you feel like you're done, you could investigate somebody else. Yeah. All right. Let's try it out. We'll do it for like three minutes. Investigate one of you about your personal alignment. Go ahead. We're going to pause there. You can continue doing this later on. You might actually enjoy doing this again together later on uh, tonight or some other time. We'll pause there for now. Uh, this activity of investigating, um, how did it go? Good. Great. It was good. It was great. They asked great questions. They asked great questions. Yes. <laughs> She's an easy talker. Yeah. They asked great questions. Yeah. What were some examples of these great questions? Uh, Molly. So is it like a style of great um, question or a template? They, they asked me what uh, my, my self alignment is fun. Uh -huh. And they asked me what I could do in my routine work to have more fun in that, in that arena. Uh -huh. That was cool. Great. What could you do in your routine work or every day to get more of that thing you want? Fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Anybody else? What was the, what was the experience of... Investigating Marilyn, her self-alignment was wisdom. Uh-huh. And we really wanted to know what did that look like in her life? How did that work? When was she feeling in a state of wisdom and when wasn't she? Cool. And she was able to give us examples. And I, I felt that under wisdom was a high degree of self-awareness yeah. is required for wisdom. Cool. So th those are examples of good questions. What, what does that look like when you see it? What do you mean when you say wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. What will you do every day to practice that thing and build your skill in it? Right. Yeah. And you had a lot of good questions. It sounded like you've been practicing active listening or something. Kind of had, had the, the list of questions down. It was great. So here's, here's something interesting. And this is where I sat with you guys for a little bit. I sat with you guys for a little bit. Every time I do this with people, the same thing happens to me. It's, and, and this is how I started to realize it was kind of like a recipe. Because uh, I've done this a lot, like, I don't know, probably 100 times or more with different groups of people. And every time I do it, this thing happens to me. And it's that I feel this sensation right around here in my body. And other people sometimes tell me they feel it around here when it happens to them. And it's the sensation that when I feel it, the word I use for it is love. It's the feeling that I feel when I'm experiencing love. And it's the feeling that I feel when I'm doing this sort of activity with people. And it happens over and over every time I do it. And the more I did it, the more I realized this was a recipe for love. Uh, this is when, uh, when Kent was advertising this session, he said something like, from high tech to high touch. And it was like, the more I did this with high tech people, the more often I was experiencing love. And you know, love in any sense that you want to explain it, but it, it really is love. And when I'm doing this with high-tech people, they usually don't like that word. So I, I tone it down and I say friendship. I'm like, yeah, if you can't say love here, you could probably say friendship. I was going to ask why you didn't have love on the list. Oh, that's a good question. Well, in fact, there's a slightly bigger list. 
It's forced choice. It's supposed to help you go fast. You can use any word you want. We're kind of looking for virtue words, like words that are pure. Love is a great one. It's actually the one I use for myself. Uh, I want love. And if that's what you want, you can, you can say that too. Uh, it turns out they're all kind of the same. If you're seeking wisdom, you're probably seeking self-awareness as well, and probably peace as well, and probably love as well. It seems to work better if you just focus on one of them, like the one that would, if you were the master of it, would get you all the others as well. Love is a, good, love is a great one. Love, great relationships fueled by love. That's what this is about if we do it in this setting and people aren't afraid of the word love. I think that's all of us here. One of my friends calls this the friendship protocol. And as I, you know, as I was feeling, as I was experiencing that more and more often with people, I started to realize that this really was the recipe for love or the recipe for friendship. Because this is what our best relationships look like. In our best relationships, we've got this context of positivity around us. We're together because we choose to be, we want to be. And we don't negate each other on purpose. When we do, it's kind of a slip up. We're going for positivity when we're together. And when we're with the people we love the most, well, we're not being coerced to do it. We've got the freedom to be there or not be there. Nobody's making us do that in a good relationship. And in these best relationships, we, we're, we're self-aware of how we feel emotionally and we share it with each other. And when we share it with each other, the other person or the other people don't try to fix it or change it. They just acknowledge it. They say, you're welcome to have that feeling when we're together or even when we're not together. And when you're with the people who you care about the most, who you're in the best relationships with, you tell each other what's the most important thing in your life. And you ask each other about it, and you want to know more, and you want to see how you can get aligned with each other on these most important things. And that's the investigate part. You ask more and more, and you try to learn more and more about each other. And so I started to realize this was the recipe. This is a recipe, anyway. A recipe for friendship, or a recipe for love. Uh, and then, because I do this with tech people a lot, and they might not be so keen on it, I also tell them, you can't really see it, oh darn. I've written it as source code. So people in the valley people in the valley can read the source code and they can execute it in their computers up here if they really want to do that too. So that's that's the recipe for love and that's the script that people can follow if they if they can read the code. <laughs> when I'm doing this with work teams, we add on this fifth layer called productivity and what it really means is doing awesome things together, doing all the things you want together. There are some behavior patterns for that. These are really about, these are some more group emotional intelligence things. These are ways to make sure that you're really in agreement with each other, for one thing. And when you're in disagreement, to resolve those disagreements pretty quickly. These are things that people call group emotional intelligence. The ability to resolve disagreements efficiently. So there are some behavior patterns for that. Uh, one of them is called Decider. It's a way to make sure that you're all in with each other on any decisions you make. It's really simple. We're not going to do it all, but Chuck Norris likes it, so it's probably good. Uh, the last one, last layer in the stack, I usually do this with tech people, so I call it error handling. And I did it with some of you. You asked for help. This is actually part of the error handling thing. Like, What it's really about is when you make agreements with each other and you break those agreements, how do you get back on track? Or if you don't remember exactly what the agreement was, how do you ask it in the right way without sort of having them wave their finger at you? It's just about getting back on track with whatever it was you agreed to together. There's a scripted way to do that if you need a scripted way to do it. It doesn't really matter how you do it. It's just there's a way to do it. So key takeaways, we've got this idea there is a recipe for friendship. There is a recipe for love. I'm sure there's more than one. This is one that I've figured out by doing this kind of work with people, and it's been working really well for me. Core protocols, these behavior patterns, they're one way to build this group emotional intelligence together and feel safe together and create this sense of an awesome relationship together. So you know, these are things that you can do. These are things that you can do together 
like in a few minutes and make a new friend and maybe fall in love with somebody in a few minutes, make a, make a deep friendship with somebody in a few minutes. Uh, these are things you could do like when you get to work or whatever you're going to do tomorrow, when you're going to an interview tomorrow, this is something you could try, make friends with people, you've got a recipe now. Uh, whatever you're doing tomorrow, if you're going to the, the gym or the health club, you could try this with people at the gym or the health club tomorrow. And it's, it's something to try like all the time, not just once in a while, like not just when there's a special event in the, in the community like this, but you could try this all the time. Um, to learn more about this, you can ask me for help. That would be really cool. There's a website for this called thecoreprotocols.org. I can give you all this information later on. And I put a stack of books back there that if you want one, I trust you to leave some money there, like $10. The idea is that they cost me some money to get printed, and all the proceeds are going to go to HeartSpace. So if you want to support HeartSpace and get a book, you can do that. You're welcome. That's really it. Uh, can I go back a second? Yeah. I want to talk a little more about error. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a techie way of saying, what do you do when you broke your agreements or weren't sure what the agreements were? I don't think it's techie at all. I think, I think it's very normal for us, in a group this size, for someone to say something that another person will find it, it hurt them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great time to check in. I feel blank. Say it out loud. Make sure it's not like you're accusing somebody of making that happen to you. It's something that you own for yourself that happened inside you. You could do that intention check thing. You could you could say when you said that, what were you hoping the outcome would be? Or could I ask it? I feel like what I just said hurt your feelings. You could try that. You might check in on that or investigate on that. I said something, and I'm not sure about your reaction to that. Did you know? Will you tell me what's going on? And if it was not me involved, but I saw someone else say something, and someone else looked like they were hurt, mm -hmm. is that none of my business? It might be none of your business, or you might ask if you could talk about it. And if you've built this sense of safety in the group, one possible answer is no. I don't want to talk about it right now. And that would be totally okay. Like, we actually did this in the car yesterday as we were driving home from, uh, from Santa Cruz. Uh, you guys wanted to ask me something that I didn't want to talk about. Yeah. And you guys were really good at this. I said, no, I don't want to do this right now. So I, I was exercising pass. I don't, I, I'm passing. I don't want to do this right now. And you totally respected that. It was, it was awesome. So how, long, how many hours do you have to spend with an engineering team for this to take hold when you leave to continue to practice? When I'm doing it with work teams, I usually do it as a half day or a full day class. And I check in with them occasionally. We do some extra coaching afterward. I'm sorry to keep this going, but I feel like we have a, <laughs> sort of a, an unspoken Yeah. Uh, but would there be a way to more intentionally say, Maybe. when we come together, let's, let's review what, what our code of conduct is, so to speak? Maybe, yeah. Uh, so could you be more intentional about it? There's this idea of culture. You have a culture in your group. You have a microculture, yeah. right? And the interesting thing about a group culture is you usually don't know what it is because you're doing it and it's just what you do, it's how you behave together. Somebody coming in from outside would be able to watch you and like identify the things that are unique to your team's culture. You could make it explicit. And that, that's kind of what the core protocols are an example of a culture made explicit. This is how we behave when we're together. Some teams use the core protocols as their explicit culture. You could use whatever you want and make it explicit. It's, is it different from a mission statement? Because I mean, I, I assume Heartspace has a mission statement, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's right here on this paper. It's kind of yeah. long and complicated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love something you said today. I, I want it to be Heartspace community making love. <laughs> yeah, 
That sounds good. So it's a nice play on words. Yeah. And you already have the heart as your logo. <laughs> Is it different from a mission statement? Yeah, it's uh, a mission statement is sort of like where you think you're heading together. The explicit description of how we behave together, that's like how, how we're doing it together. Yeah. So I, I can see us developing uh, a common agreement of uh, what our um, spiritual disposition is when we get together. Yeah. You have to add the component. Now you have to make that more productive because you're making things for this company. We don't have that. Oh, yeah. You guys, you guys are creating together. You're creating community, yeah. right? And you're creating twice a month. You're creating these productions. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of like theater productions, right? This is something that you guys create together twice a month, as well as this feeling of togetherness. Yeah. Let's say if, if people want to, because, you know, maybe um, freedom to participate or not in any particular thing is something you practice together. So if you don't want to, you could say, I pass. If you do want to, we could go around the room and you could say what your personal alignment is. And we don't, we could do it in a particular order, or you could just, when you feel like it's the right time, you could say what yours is. And you can say pass. So mine is love. I want love. Mine is not fair. Yours wasn't on the list. I know. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's right. We couldn't use that. I was losing fun. You want fun. And, and you might find that it changes over time. I've, I've been oh, doing this for some number of years, and it, it changes. I feel like I've mastered. Let's see. I either feel like I've mastered, no, I never feel like I've mastered my personal alignment, but sometimes I feel like I've gotten good enough at it that it's not the one I'm weakest at and I need to focus on something else. So you might discover that you need to focus on something else after a while. Isn't it also contextual though too? Like, I mean, when we were Maybe. talking with Lucy, fun was so important to her because she's been working so hard recently. And yeah. so I think sometimes there can be a context in which yep. Your life presents you with certain things, you know. And the context you never, might you change. You don't really think about health until you have a health issue, you know. Yeah. So it, it seems like life would give you, you the bet. ebb and flow yeah. constantly needing a new. Yeah. We're hoping it will be stable enough that, like, it won't change at 8 o'clock tonight. Like, this is something you really want to focus on for a while and practice for a while and find a way to focus on it and practice it for yourself. But maybe in a couple of months, there will be some different context and something else that you want to focus on more and practice more. Does, does your primary audience, which are these engineers and corporate, do they tend to pick certain words over others? No? Um, no, they pick all of them. They do? Yeah. It turns out, like, when you, when you work in a high-tech company, we make believe that there's no emotion involved and there's no relationship involved, that we're just there to be smart and do logical things. Yeah. Uh, but after doing these activities, we sort of erode that yeah. facade, because it is fake, it's a facade. Yeah. And people open up to each other more. And when people do that in work teams, when they build that group emotional intelligence together, they're the, higher, they're, they're the highest performing work teams. Uh, so it turns out that, and this is why I usually, I usually start by talking about Google, because people want to be Google. And Google has figured this out. They just don't know how to make it happen on purpose. But they measure teams that have these characteristics, psychological safety and group emotional intelligence. They measure that, well, when they measure that on teams, they also measure high performance on those teams. So that's a way to get the tech people interested in this, that maybe there's more to it than you did really well in graduate school in your field. There's more to being an awesome team, then high domain knowledge and individual people, there's the ability to connect. We're working 12 hours in job. Working 12 hours a day actually doesn't help the team perform better. It's this connection, this self-awareness, uh, understanding your emotional state, this group emotional intelligence is the stuff that makes teams of people into awesome teams of people. But, but you're starting with people who probably don't have a high emotional 
intelligence, and now you've got to get them self-aware self yeah. and group-aware. Yeah, so some of this is kind of remedial. Yeah. Some yeah. of this is like, and, and I'm, you know, I've, I've been through it myself as one of these remedial learners. Uh, I have a friend who describes me as a second language learner in emotional intelligence. And it's kind of like because I'm coming at it as an adult learner that I can maybe explain it more to people or I'm more aware of it than other people are. Like you guys are like primary language, native, native emotion language speakers. You, you guys are just good at this, uh, you, you pelzes. Well, it, I, I teach Spanish, <clears throat> my first language is not Spanish, mm -hmm. but I'm teaching it to other people, obviously, whose first language is not Spanish. And it, there is an ability to teach them what, how I have learned to yeah. dominate the language. So you do sort of, when you've learned something as a second language, you know, you know the, the strategies that are, that are involved mm -hmm. in yeah. learning it. Yeah. And what it feels like to learn it as a second. Yeah. And so for, for people who are already good at this, this often feels very scripted and constraining. Like, I can only pick four emotion words? Come on. But it's, it's like it's the building block for people who don't have the skills already to build just enough fluency that we can have this sensation together. And once you've built up the, the primary skills, then you can expand them and do whatever you want. Your mess is your message. Yes. Yeah, that's perfect. Message. Yeah. Your mess is your message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's probably why I like sharing this with people so much because this is the thing that I've been working on the most for myself. Yeah. And for the teams I work with. <laughs> now, ironically, um, all of the, it, the first 20 years of research in psychological safety was with health giver teams. Yeah. And the teams that feel the safest are the better healthcare teams. Um, I'm starting to do, all of my clients for the last two years have been healthcare technology companies. There happen to be a lot of those around Boston. Um, and I'm starting to do work with actual caregivers, teams of caregivers with, with these tools. Yeah. So it's like as a group, the group's emotional intelligence level is kind of low. And, if it were higher, the group's performance would be better, and the, the, the care that you can give to people would be better. Yeah, there's been a lot of work recently investigating medical teams, caregiver teams, and the different specialists, the different specialty areas, like nurses, doctors, administrative people, different kinds of doctors, and they kind of form cliques. They feel safe within their group, but they don't feel safe as a caregiving team with a patient. So. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, friends. Thanks again for listening. And remember, to support this podcast, visit my website, kasparaski.com. See you next time. <laughs>